Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Welcome back, Nicole. How are you? I'm doing well, Chris. How about yourself? We're always doing good. We're always doing good. (laughs) And today's an interesting topic, stress and stress effects on not just the health of the horse, but nutrition and and back in the day, a lot of my my graduate work was studying stress and effects on reproduction. So it's going to be interesting to, to hear your take on the effects of stress on nutrition and the horse. So just to kind of start this off, because you know I, I remember I told you before we started, I'm like, okay, we got to be careful because this could be a really long uh, podcast. We want to try to keep it 20 minutes, but h- how would you define stress, or or how do we define stress? with our horses. So you can think about stress a lot of different ways. Really, it's if you think about it on a physiological baseline, it's it's anything that takes them out of their ordinary. And I think typically we think about it on a behavioral concept. So, you know, you have acute versus chronic stress. Acute would be this one-time crazy event. It could be something like transporting a horse who's never been on the trailer before. It could be an illness. It could be an acute injury that would cause stress. Chronic stress could be things like training, for example. It's not necessarily bad stress all the time. Uh, It could be your chronic diseases. It could be long-term lameness. It could be chronic social stress. You have a horse who is turned out with a group that it just fundamentally doesn't get along with. So we can kind of think of it as anything in the horse's life that is going to shift its physiology away from baseline in a negative way. And individual horses are going to be susceptible to stress in different ways. You know, I'm stressed right now because I have a horse on stall rest, yet, you know, this horse is taking it incredibly well. Is it stressful? Yes, Mm. but he is less stressed by the situation than other ones I've owned who've (laughs) given me PTSD about the concept of stall rest. So, you know, as we talk through these things, we have to recognize that it's not a single defined thing and not every horse responds differently. Um, you have those horses who get stressed out because jumps moved in the ring. Uh, you know, it, it can yeah. be anything from very tiny to big, huge life changing events. And most of what we're managing around on the day to day is that those chronic stressors that are there just simply because life in and of itself is stressful, even for horses who maybe are managed in, perfect ways as well as possible. It's just the reality of using horses to do things is there's some level of stress and helping them cope with it. Yeah. And it's always interesting because we usually think, oh, acute stress, you know, it's it's a normal day-to-day thing. Like you said, trailering or, you know, the weather changes really quick. But we know with horses, it can be interesting as this discussion goes on, those acute episodes can have impacts, especially when we talk about nutrition and some of the responses uh, physiologically that the horse has. Like I'm just, you know, just throw it out there right now, colic. We know acute stress can lead to that. But before we get there, what are some of the signs that it's more that chronic, right? That that chronic stress that leads to long-term problems. So how could we 
look at a horse and say, okay, yeah, that horse obviously is is suffering under some type of stress? Good question. So there's actually been interesting research that's looked at, you know, quantifying horses' stress levels in different ways. Kind of newer research has looked at really subtle signs like their facial expression, um, a little squinting of the eye, a little bit of um, tension around the lip. They've actually developed uh, different systems for monitoring that based on horses. Very, very little changes. So you can think about small changes in behavior. Um, maybe a horse who's not as social as they usually are, carrying a you know that that tight look in their face all the way up to horses who have dramatic behavior changes. Maybe they become more aggressive or become more lethargic or less interested in things. And then the classic ones we see are your stereotypies, your stall walking, your cribbing, your weaving, things like that would be signs of stress. If you think about it beyond just observing the horse, uh, you know, very acute stress, for example, would cause an increase in their heart rate. It might cause them to sweat. And then, you know, scientifically in a study, for example, we might measure things like cortisol. That'd be your stress hormone. It it is interesting because there's some debate around when you pull blood, for example, to measure cortisol, is that a stressful event in and of itself? Um, there's some newer tests that, you know, measure it in their manure, for example, or their saliva. But different ways to quantify stress, I think, as the average owner, really, it's, it's the daily observation of your horse and being mindful of when things change. Um, and then certainly looking at horses who we've all been in a situation where someone says, oh, that's just the way he is. Is that horse constantly stressed? So just trying to, you know, be empathetic to those signs that horses are giving us and recognizing they vary a lot. You have some horses who really internalize their stress and those are maybe a little bit harder for us to evaluate um, versus ones who are very uh, vocal in their stress. For example, you know, a horse who if things are not right in their life, they'll immediately start stall walking or something and really tell you that they are stressed out by something. And then it's your job to try to figure out what. Mm -hmm. Now, it always makes me appreciate our veterinarians, right? Like the horse can't come in and say, oh, hey, doc, you know, I'm a little bit stressed today. It's, (laughs) they just always teach you about, you know, my students back in the day or, or have a deep appreciation for those veterinarians that can, can, look at these animals and see those subtle signs because they hide it so well. They hide it so well. So, you know, keeping this kind of nutrition related because stress has many impacts on the body, you know, from the immune system, like I opened up with reproduction, you know, it has, can definitely have a negative impact on that. But just looking at from a nutrition or nutritionist standpoint, what are some of the the concerns we have with stress? And like I like I said, acute stress leads can lead to colic. What are some of these other things that stress can cause uh, in our horses? So you really bring up a good point, like a focus on the digestive tract, um, and certainly, you know, acute stress being something like a colic. Oftentimes, when we see issues in the digestive tract, they are they can be symptoms of something else. Chronic stress being a big one. So gastric ulcers, uh, chronic upset of the hindgut, where we see things like diarrhea, 
there's been really interesting research. And one of the things that we looked at, for example, in choosing the strain of yeast that we use is in a study, they looked at the type of microbes that live in the hindgut of the horse. Ones that digest fiber would be ones you really, really want to keep healthy because, you know, the hindgut of the horse digests your hay, makes energy, all of that stuff. And as a model to look at this, they stressed the horse. And what they did was they trailered the horses. And they found the stress of trailering significantly decreased the number of fiber digesting bacteria in the hindgut of the horse. And this wasn't a um, what we would consider like traumatic trailering event. It was just putting these horses on the trailer and hauling them down the road. So, you know, then in choosing that strain of probiotic of yeast specifically, we chose the one that helped maintain the fiber digesting bacteria, even under that stress model. But, you know, it's a really great example of how the digestive tract is often the first time, first place we see stress. So it could be things like gastric ulcers, hindgut upset, you know, sometimes just loss of body condition. A horse was previously maintaining its weight on a certain diet and you haven't changed other things. We can see weight loss um, simply because their basal metabolism is going up because of the changes on their physiology from that stress. When you bring up things like the immune system, for example, or reproduction, some of your micronutrient needs go up. That, that's a little bit harder to see, for example, than just looking at changes in digestive function. But those are things that do happen as a function of stress. And, you know, towards the end, we can talk about maybe some feeding strategies revolving around that. But there's been quite a few studies that look at different stress models and measure little things like how much does their zinc need go up when they are challenged by a disease or chronic stress or something like that. So when they, they're missing out on these critical nutrients, like you said, you know, impacting or micronutrient needs go up. How does that translate into impacts on health and performance? So if we think about health to start, you know, it the immune system, when it is stressed, it ramps up. It needs more nutrients in order to support that. So an example of that could be a virus goes through the barn and horses' ability to fight off that virus and bounce back is in part related to how well their immune system responds to it and having the nutrients to support the immune response. You know, other things you might see, I always talk about horses with their nutrient cup. And if their nutrient cup is kind of lower than it should be long term, you'll start to see things like, you know, loss of hair coat, not um, not that it's falling out, but the quality of the hair coat, or a decrease in hoof quality, kind of those little signs that we're not quite meeting their needs. Sometimes that can come from things like chronic stress, where maybe we're providing what would be the minimum for a healthy horse, but a horse with those particular issues, we would start to see that or things like reduced healing time when they have some sort of injury. You know, it's it's little things that are a little bit harder to quantify, but certainly things that you can definitely see long-term declines in. So on, on, so on the flip side, you know, when you're talking about some of those requirements, how do we help them or how does nutrition help them during these bouts of stress, whether it's acute or chronic? Like what are, what are some of the things uh, our listeners can do to help uh, boost their horses? 
Mm, yep, that's a very good question. We're all looking for, okay, we've we've defined there's an issue. What do yes. I do about it as a horse owner? Yes, so yes. one thing I want to say is that nutrition is, nutrition is just part of it. And as you mentioned, we could talk forever in strategies to combat stress because it's so variable, the things that stress horses out. But focusing just on the nutrition component, recognizing it can be very supportive, but sometimes you have to make other outside management changes in order to help the horse. So I I always want to be realistic that nutrition is supportive, but sometimes it can't overcome those chronic stressors well enough. So just always look at the big picture. But starting honestly with the fundamentals of nutrition that we talk about all the time that our listeners would be very familiar with at this point, good enough quality forage provided in a large enough quantity, so at least one and a half percent of their body weight, choosing the right product um, and feeding it at an appropriate rate. So those are some of the things that are going to help make sure we're meeting their micronutrient needs, as well as keeping that digestive tract healthy. So we talked about a lot of times the first place you see stress is in the digestive tract. We know there are certain feeding strategies that are healthier and more supportive of the digestive tract. So lots of access to forage, not feeding things that are crazy high in sugars and starches, particularly in those already stressed horses. So lower NSC, focusing on fat and fiber, and then just good feeding management. Those are some things that are going to help support the horse. After that, um, we certainly can think about what are technologies we can utilize. And, you know, these are things that we're already building into some of our products because we recognize how supportive they are. Pre and probiotics, for example. So I mentioned Mm -hmm. that we had that stress model where we saw a change in the microbiome of the horse. And then we selected a strain of probiotics that counteracted that. So that's something we're proactively doing and incorporating in all of the feed. And along those lines, we use what we call a maintenance and a stress dose of our probiotic, which is Equifirm XL. And in the performance products, there is this stress dose because we recognize those horses who are out working harder. Typically, they tend to be showing more often. And so that means more travel, more disruption of their day-to-day life. So we recognize that we want to do a higher level of support in those performance type products because that's a population of horses who just frankly has more chronic stress. It's not a bad thing. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't go do things with your horses. I do things with my horses, but we just, that's a way that Mm -hmm. nutrition can help support them. And then of course, thinking about products like Constant Comfort, which would be, you know, our gut health designed product. Uh, We have a block and a top dress. Those are things that we, you know, can incorporate in those horses to just kind of stay ahead of that stress. Beyond that, something that I think about um, in terms of the micronutrient needs, if I'm on the lower end of the feeding rate, just based on my horse's caloric needs. So let's say your horse is a pleasure horse. And relative to his size, he requires a minimum of four pounds of calm and easy per day. So we're meeting all of his needs. But we know he's a horse that I'm doing a ton with. I'm constantly traveling. I'm going to lessons. I'm going to a lot of shows. I might think about stacking the deck in terms of supporting the stressors that are involved from a micronutrient standpoint by adding a pound of ration balancer on top of that to really give a boost of those micronutrients. 
because he's on the very end of the, you know, the bottom end of the feeding rate. If he was eating eight pounds of Calm and Easy because he required more calories, I'd be less concerned about adding those extra micronutrients. So part of it in terms of feeding strategy is just looking at overall fortification of the diet combined with those just good day-to-day feeding management strategies. All right. So you, you opened up with this horse on stall rest that you have. And obviously that's a little bit stressful for the horse. So can you just kind of talk through how you're managing him? Because I imagine, you know, obviously stall rest can be a little bit stressful for horses, but your horse isn't out there burning calories all day. And so I'm thinking, okay, so the performance feeds have more of a boost of pre and probiotics and those things. So if you, I think it's just, it would be fun for listeners to hear how like you would personally handle the situation. So what are you feeding him? How are you getting him through this uh, stressful time period? Okay, great question. Yes. Bless his little heart. He is being such a good boy. <laughs> uh, so, so good. Um, unfortunately, we're not very long and far into what is a, a long stall rest, but with a very good prognosis. Mm-hmm. So that stresses me less. But yeah. here are <laughs> the things that I am doing. Number one is free choice high. Um, you know, he's in my own facility. That's something I'm thankfully able to do. He was on free choice hay before, but I, I want to keep him busy and keep him secreting saliva, keep that stomach full of hay as much as possible. You bring up a great point that previously he was on a performance feed, um, but now he doesn't need all of those calories. So he went from getting what would have been about five pounds of senior sport per day. And he's a, he's a smaller guy. Um, probably about a thousand pounds. So we're going to move to primarily a ration balancer, but he's not the easiest keeper. So what I'm doing today with him is two pounds of essential K. I realized that because he's not in work, the minimum requirement would be one pound for him. However, I definitely want to make sure that any additional stress plus just supporting the nutrients required for healing are all available. So that's why I go from one pound which is the minimum, to two pounds of essential K for him. And then because I don't want him to lose too much weight, I'm going to play with this depending on how it goes. Uh, But right now he's getting between one and a half and two pounds of senior sport, which is terrible. I should weigh it. Um, But I'm just using it as a calorie source. Um, So to make sure he doesn't lose a lot of weight because he is traditionally a harder keeper. And that's the part that I will vary depending on his energy level and his weight through this process. The other things I'm doing, we talked about supporting the hindgut and all of those. So I use Constant Comfort Pellet that has foregut and hindgut support. It's going to be a long-acting buffer. I make sure he's getting that in his meals so that lets me control his intake. And then he has access to the Constant Comfort Block as well more hindgut support. But most importantly, as he sees fit, he can consume that seaweed-derived calcium that's a long-acting buffer and essentially self-soothe. And it's been interesting to see he's had access to that block since I bought him. And he nibbled on it a little bit, um, but now that he is on stall rest, in part it's probably boredom, but also he does have free choice hay. He is soothing himself. His intake of that block has gone up during this period. So we we definitely see with that product changes depending on their stress level. So 
you know, all of that combined with some additional enrichment. So that's, that's toys, that's a treat ball, that's, you know, spending time with him as well, are all strategies combined to help minimize his stress as much as possible. And, you know, so far it's knock on wood gone very well. Um, He's been good about what I call horsey jail, but those are the things I'm thinking about maximizing micronutrient intake, lots of forage, and then controlling calories so that we can control weight and energy levels during that period. And then, you know, all that additional gut health support to try to stay ahead of specific Mm -hmm. gut health issues developing. That's good. And and just for the listeners, I put Nicole on the spot with that one. You know, we, it just, <laughs> I, I threw that in there because I, 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 she was telling me before we started recording that her, her poor baby's on stall rest. And so I thought it was very pertinent to this discussion and, and there you go. And, and while you were saying that I was thinking, you know, for our listeners, that's the type of support you get when you, you contact tribute. So, you know, personalized feeding plan for personalized situations. So please use that resource. Uh, Nicole, as we wrap this up, any other final tips on managing stress in our horses? You know, I would say just the biggest one is be an advocate for your horse. You're the one who knows them the best and sees them all the time. So, you know, knowing they're normal, identifying changes, and then working with the team around you, your vet, your farrier, your trainer, your nutrition team, just to help give that horse the best support possible. Stress is an inevitable part of life. Our goal is to minimize it and then support those horses. And of course, we're happy to help on the nutrition side anytime you'd like some. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, thank you for listening. Uh, That resource is available to you. That link's always in the show notes. Um, But we appreciate all the kind words uh, that we've been receiving, all the suggestions. Please keep those going for future podcasts and and more topics. And if there's anything in this discussion or in another discussion we have you want to hear more about, please reach out to us. But thank you so much, Nicole. That, That was fascinating. And I think, you know, this is something we could talk about more uh, maybe later in the year, but thank you so much. Thank you, Chris.